Hello, welcome to Life, Liberty, and Liturgy uh, podcast. My name is John. I'm here to talk to you today. Um, currently, uh, what I'm talking to you guys about is the idea of uh, simultaneously sinner and saint, always repentant. And we're going to go through um, some of my favorite texts here in uh, the Bible and this is something that I struggle with a lot because we do see a pretty defeatist message preached in most churches today uh, about this kind of thing and I don't know if they're right or if I'm right um, I just want to get through the scripture and really get into it so we're going to read Romans 6, 7, and 8 today. I'm going to go ahead and read through it once, and then I'm going to start picking out some of the verses and parts that I think are highlighted enough uh, in modern preaching to uh, warrant talk, discussing. And I... Well, then I'm going to read right now from the English Standard Version, just because it's very readable. And then uh, we'll use some other versions, kind of Young's Literal and maybe some other ones to start picking it out. But it's one of those things where, you know, uh, people will continue to say, you start uh, talking about the freedom we have in Christ and people will keep bringing up, especially Romans 14 through 25, about how we're sinners. And, you know, we want to do right, but we can't. And most people, they jive with that because that is their experience. That is what we all experience every day. But I don't want to go into scripture and just reading in what we experience. I want to go into scripture to read what it says. And I want that to affect my life, not the other way around. So this is uh, mainly the thing that I'm trying to get into here. So I'm going to uh, start here. Romans 6. one. We, if you want to, go ahead and read Romans 5. Uh, to get some context into this, he really gets into like the grace and just how how objectively God has grace uh, on humanity uh, through Jesus Christ. Um, and so it kind of sounds like just like what the reformers dealt with. Well, we can just kind of do anything, right? And here's kind of Paul's response to that is, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we uh, How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore by him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we should we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself, selves, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. To do not, uh, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but be present to yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and for your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but grace. Now right there, 6 through f uh, 12. Oh no, sorry, 6 through 14. That kind of sounds uh, good, like good news. Kind of sounds like gospel right there. But that doesn't sound like law. That doesn't sound like condemnation. That to me sounds like uh, we are uh, free. We are truly free. And what are we free from? It says uh, that we are free from sin. So... Therefore, not do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, no bane's passions. Um, so that's that's one thing I'm just gonna point out there. Um, we're gonna continue here at verse 15. What then are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves. You are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which, obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have now uh, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness, leading to sanctification. For if you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard of to righteousness. But what fruit would you, uh, were you getting at the time? <clears throat> excuse me. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I 
you know, um, I've heard many stories of people who kind of fight against this idea that we're set free from sin, which is, you know, the gospel. And <laughs> I've heard stories of people who were told to read Romans 6 every day until their mind changed. And it, it, it was power. It's I've heard powerful testimonies of that. Um, and so basically, you know, we're getting here, but this is the saint. There's this simultaneously saint and sinner thing that comes from, especially the Reformation, uh, that you hear, and that's always repentant. So that's where that's coming from. And I, I, uh, I do want to do both justice because I don't, don't want to just throw, throw it out saying, oh, we're no sinners anymore. Um, and just kind of take, uh, take this and, and not deal with it. We'll let the text decide, uh, what we are, right? Um, so, I mean, that's, this is saint right here. I mean, that's just basically this is it's just so there's so much for we're going to dig into this but i want to go into uh seven and i want to get into really the heart of what the i see the issue that people have with this message because it seems like seven just kind of negates everything all right seven Right, let's read the last verse of 6 into 7. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on the person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives, but if... <clears throat> Excuse me, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. According, accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man uh, while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. If she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, in Him who has been raised from the dead. In order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our passions aroused by the law were a work into our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law. Having died to which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Now, Right there, I mean, talking about us living in the flesh, he keeps talking about it in the past tense here. At least that's how the translators are putting it. Likewise, brothers, you have died to the law through the body of Christ. It's not through our own efforts. None of this is through our own efforts. It's not that we died to sin because we pick up our cross and we, we didn't. All this awesome asceticism that got us to this place. We did all the awesome fasting. We partnered with the Lord's energies or whatever. 
It says we died through the body of Christ. All right. Let's go back down to seven. What then shall we say that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if we have not been for the, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetedness. Uh, uh, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity uh, through the commandment, deceiving me, and through... Through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteousness is good. So he's basically saying that like the right, the law is good. But what the law does, because we are sinful, um, no one can follow the law. Even though the law is good. Um, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't know the, the law, I wouldn't know that coveting was wrong. That, that that led to death that that was like not uh not life in christ not life in god or however you want to think of it that 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 is that um but uh you know the it, but it it because we are sinful it, it actually stirs up passion for sin in the law and it uh it is you know basically you can't help it right so I want you guys to, when we move on to the next 13, well, it's really four, we're sorry on 13, but it's really 14 through 25 that, that it really gets into this area where, where people get, I believe, get caught up. I'm not seeing what they're seeing in the scripture. So this is where, where I'm coming from it, um, is that, um, we, we gotta just keep in mind that up here says that we have died to the law through the body of Christ on verse 4. And then down here, um, you know, 7 through 12, we're talking about how the law actually stirs up sin. And makes it basically impossible for us to live righteously. But it is for us to know what righteousness is. But basically, we fall short. 13. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me. So not the law that's bad, but the sin in me. Producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am the, of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. This is the big one, 15. Uh, the, for I do not uh, understand my own actions. For I do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh for I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out 
for I do not but for I do not do the good I want but the evil I do do not want is what I keep on doing now if I want now if I do what I do not want it is no longer I who do it but sin that dwells within me so that section right there that's a that's the that's really the meat of what the issue is now whenever I talk about possibly being free from sin in this life I'm not talking about that we fully live it to resurrection level like on the end in the eschaton or what paradise looks like <laughs> you know what I mean uh, but I'm saying that we can be free from sin because that's what the Bible says and people always bring up Romans 7 and go oh well, I'm a sinner I'm a sinner I'm a sinner and this is what people mean when they say they're a sinner is that like we have the law uh, you know but I am a, uh, I'm a you know of the flesh and under sin and I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want but but the very thing I hate I do not do what I want but the very thing I hate we want to be righteous because we're Christians right he's talking to Jews here who know the law right uh, verse 1 for I am speaking to those who know the law so he's basically appealing to them like hey we know the law you want to do good but you know you can't you can't and I still believe that's true. You can't. Um, us in and of ourselves in this illusion of um, independence from God cannot do it. Right? And we'll get more, more into that. Um, but just pay attention to that part. And then we're going to start dissecting this whole section here. 21. So I do... Uh, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do it, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God and my inner being. But I see in all my members another law, waging war against the law in my mind of making me captive to the law that, of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then... I myself serve the law of God in my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Continuing to eat. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in, in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Well, it sounds like seven we were, we were experiencing the law of sin and death there. Hmm. For the law... Of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could do could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit for those who live according to the flesh set their, set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things according to the Spirit. For if uh, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. 
For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raises Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. I don't know how, how much further I even need to go. Um, with that, I mean, that kind of just, to me, that, that 8, 1 through 11 just kind of puts the nail in the coffin there. <laughs> but um, let's go ahead and do verse 12 through 17. And I think I'm going to get more into the... Uh, discussion part to get, get into each little part and see what is going on here. 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit you uh, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are led by the spirit of, of God are sons of God. For it for didn't uh, excuse me guys uh for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons whom we cry abba father the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god and if children then heirs heirs of god fellow heirs with christ provide we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So, um, there we go. You guys can go ahead and read that, you know, when you want to. I'm just gonna, I want to go back here to seven to really get into like what seems to be the issue for people. Now, as far as like, are we sinners or are we saints or whatever? I mean, the Bible, ten, Paul ten, tends to call us saints in every letter, but he also uh, uh, will say that, you know, I am the chief of sinners. You know, he says that somewhere. I can't remember the, the verse off the top of my head. Um, I also, you know, it depends on what uh, denomination you're from, but when you know in in my church uh we at the beginning of the service we have we read the summary of the law that we love our god with our hearts mind well and strength and then we love our neighbor as ourself and then we pray and we say lord have mercy christ have mercy lord have mercy and then we go into confession you know, and it's basically Almighty God. We have something 
can't remember off the top of my head. Almighty God, we have offended against your holy laws by thought, word, and deed. Something like that. Basically, like, by what we have done, by what we have not uh, done. And apart from your grace, uh, there is no health in us. And basically ask God for forgiveness and stuff like that. Um, so I do practice that and I continue to practice that. Um, almost every day I have some point where I do a confession of sin to God. And just like First uh, John says that if we do sin, uh, we have an advocate with the Father to uh, provide us remission of sin. Um, so it's like, uh, I'm not here to say like we can't sin, um, that we aren't sinners in that if left up to our own devices, um, we continually sin. I think that's true. Um, and I think this, the reason why this Romans seven resonates for, with a lot of people is because this is what they experience. We're not, you know, Christians. Most of them haven't grown up Jewish. We grew up Christian, but we, we know the law. We know the 10 commandments. We know what it is to please God. At least we, we think we have an idea of what scripture says it is to please God. And we know we don't me measure up. And so we come to uh, Romans 7, you know, especially, what is it, verse 15? For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Right? And it's like, well, why is that? Is that the case? Well, Romans 7 says that that's the case. <laughs> I heard this like once in church. Um, you know, we follow a lectionary on Sunday. So there's like readings. So basically go through most of, most of the Bible. Uh, well, we go through all of the books of the Bible, but uh, may not may not be every single verse, but every three years, you know, it's, it's, you cycle through it. And I remember when this, uh, Romans six passage came up, what we read before he didn't, uh, the priest that, uh, that did a, uh, sermon on it. He didn't stick to Romans six. He talked about, this is great. You know, it's this mystery because when we go to Romans seven, this is how our lives are. This is who we are. And that's not really, I don't think that's what Paul is saying. Uh, because Romans 7 would, if that's true of us, that would negate what, what it says in Romans 6 and what's what's in Romans 8. Um, I think what he's doing, he's just trying to make a point that the law leads to death. Right? Uh, I mean, that's really what I think think what he's saying here. You know, um, let's go back to Romans 6 here. So, when we come to um, talk about these issues of who we are in God and whatnot, I mean, we have to keep the cross. We have to, we have to be identified with Christ, not with 
you know, not with how we perceive ourselves to be, even though it is good for us to realize that we have sinned and that when we do sin, you know, what that is. Um, I think some, there are people that I know that follow this kind of logic within Romans 6, six consider, uh, 6, 11. Uh, so you must, uh, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Um, that follow that and they just continue in sin. <laughs> Even though that's the, the purpose of Romans 6 is like, no, we don't continue in sin because we're dead. Um, and they never, never confess their sin to God, uh, that we know, um, and that we don't, uh, you know, expect to live godly lives or anything like that. They just kind of go on about their business, uh, serving the flesh, uh, apart from the law. Now they just drop the law and they don't, they're not even convicted anymore. Um, so that's not, so I understand. I think pe that's what people are, are definitely want to avoid when talking about this, but I still look, man, I just don't get the, I just don't get it. The Bible is here and it's like, are we doing, you know, scripture reading on what it says and having our lives conform to that? Or are we reading our experience in the scripture? Just because Romans 7, you know, I want to do good, but I can't, is what we experience, does not mean that's what the absolute truth is. Right? Uh, there's a reason why Paul's bringing this up, because there's sin issues. You know, there's stuff going on. He has to write this for a reason, but he also says that you're dead to sin, so stop. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. Um, uh, the... Yeah, I mean, so, so basically, those of us who've been unified with Christ and are baptized uh, into Christ were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we might too walk in the newness of life. Now, I'm a little suspicious of that word, might, because um, it's kind of like, well, maybe. Um, I think... Uh, I think I'm a lot more confident than that that will be raised from the dead, but it's still by faith. I mean, it's not, it's not like uh, scientifically proven that we will ra rise from the dead, uh, <laughs> raised from the dead. So, uh, yeah, but uh, I wonder what that says there. But let me, um, this 5 through 11 here, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, bring this up because a lot of people don't understand like well what does this mean like that this end like, what are we talking about here you have to understand back in verse 5 he's talking about like Adam and Eve and the contrast between Adam being the, being the first Adam and then Christ being the second Adam okay so um, six uh, this knowing that our old man was crucified with him that the sin may be made useless for our no longer serving the sin. That's Young's literal translation right there. 
for he who hath died hath been set free from sin. From the sin. So it's saying the sin. Uh, and I've heard a, a lot of Greek scholars talk about that. And that, that's what they, you know, I don't know biblical Greek yet. I try to learn and it's, it's something that for me at least I'm going to need some help with. Because uh, it's, you got to be in it every day. You have to be hammering at it every day. So uh, it's one of those things that I want to get into. But I got to trust the experts on this right now. And when they say the sin, just like back in verse 5, they're talking about uh, Adam, uh, the sin of Adam, and then the righteousness of Christ. Um, the sin is like the sin of Adam. The, that sin that we have all been infected with. Right. Um, I don't think it really matters too much. I think it's fine when they translate it as we are free from sin or the sin. Like it doesn't really matter. But that seems to me that what we're experiencing in Romans 7 is that which we, we we were set free from that Romans Romans 7 and I'm glad by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit it's there even though it's in the first tense <laughs> first person um, so people think it, this is Paul's talking about himself and that this is the life of a Christian um, even though uh, by that logic uh, we should be following the most horrible people in the world if we are to follow the greatest sinners. Um, <laughs> I don't know exactly what people mean by that. People that understand that they need God, yes. And that without him we are dead in our sins, yes. That's who we need to follow. Um, and if we died with Christ, or since, I like, I'd rather use since, because that's what he's getting getting across here. And since we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. Knowing that Christ, have, having been raised up out of dead, doth no more die. Death over him hath no more lordship. For in that he died to the sin, he died once. And in that he liveth, he liveth to God. So also ye reckon yourself to be yourselves to be dead indeed to this sin and living to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I just want to say Amen right there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let not the sin reign in your mortal body to obey in its desires. So this is what he's saying. He's saying. He keeps talking about sin reigning in our mortal body, reigning in our bodies. And then in 7, he's basically saying rain, sin reigns in our bodies and we can't be free from it. Like we have the mind that wants to serve God, but our bodies, you know, uh, continue to sin. And it wars against our, 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 our mind. And it's like, or spirit, whatever. You know, whatever it's, it wars against it, and it's like right here he's saying that indeed uh, you're dead to sin, uh, so don't 
let the sin reign in your mortal body. Well, if Romans 7 is true right now under grace, like I think it's true. Romans 7, and when I'm doing that, I'm talking, I'm referring to the end there where you talk about I can't do anything, right? Because sin reigns in me, <laughs> basically. Um, I think that's true. And that's what you will experience when you don't have faith. When you don't put your faith in the gospel and to what Jesus has done. And that you don't have, um, you, you, you basically don't have that trust. You fall onto your own self, onto your own uh, devices. Right? Because we're not to continue in sin, but it's not because uh, we need to do all this work in order to fight against ourselves fight against the sin in us. He doesn't say to for us to fight against the sin uh, the that leaves in us. He says here that ye all yourselves reckon yourselves to be dead indeed the sin and living to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the next verse he says, let not then the sin reign in your mortal body to obey in its desires. So yeah, we ha we can have sin reign in our mortal body if we don't have faith in the gospel that we died to sin in Jesus Christ. Do you guys, are you guys hearing what I'm saying here? Like that to me is it. And you, people will come after me. I know people will come after me and, and check some verses and I will, I will take that on. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm trying to just read the Bible and, and see what it says, but they'll check all these verses to say all this stuff that seems to negate the, this truth here. And I'm just like, okay, but you know, this is, this is, this is the thing is that like, you know, we, you know, this is what it says, <laughs> you know, this is what the Bible says. I know you're not feeling this because you don't, you're not experiencing this. Probably you don't have faith in the gospel and that's okay faith is not of ourselves faith is comes by the hearing of the word hearing the gospel you know so it's not something we muster up ourselves you know and you know for me to get this stuff i'm still getting it and this is what i want to get to on through the center side it's a simultaneously saint and sinner always repentant the center side of this is the romans 14 through 20 25 is when we forget the gospel and we leave ourselves our own devices. That's us trying to live in the law by the law. Not by grace, then producing the fruits of that, which would be obeying the law. But we uh, try to handle it our own. We think that religious piety is where we should go. Um, we're not fasting enough. We're not reading our Bible enough. We, we aren't doing uh, things correctly enough. We're not killing our flesh enough. That's another one. Killing our flesh enough. And look, there's people that talk about, you know, the flesh is dead. And there's all this kind of, you know, it is a finished work. And I agree with all that, what they're saying. But then you also see people that uh, say that kind of stuff that, you know, 
when sin does come up, they don't really address it. It's, it, you know, this is, this is, is, sin is something that does need to be addressed. Because if you are free from sin and you continue sin, there's, there's a disconnect there, right? That, but when we come to this and we continue to sin, it's not, it's not that we, we, it's not that we never confess our sins, but also it's not that we just confess our sins and that we're a sinner and this is just how it's going to be, you know, that's Romans seven that I, I think, honestly, I think that's a cop out for most people. That's just, well, I'm a sinner, you know, I, I go and I confess and oh, I'm always going to be a sinner. So yeah, you are a sinner in that you need God, but also, uh, God says through his servant, Paul here that, um, you died to sin. And so we need to reckon ourselves to, uh, dead to sin in a life to God. Therefore not let sin reign in our mortal body to obey in its, in its desires. Okay. So yeah, we don't continue in sin, but it's not because, um, it, yeah, we need to address sin, but it's not because, oh, I'm a sinner and God just has, just has grace on me. That is true. But also, he set you free from sin. Both can be true. So, the saint, I believe, is our objective reality in the person of Christ. That we were joined with him in the incarnation. Died with him on the cross. Descended. Resurrected with him. And ascended into heaven. And baptism is are incarnationally, sacramentally uh, associating with that objective reality so that we here in time and space can receive the benefits of our salvation. Obviously, one day it will be revealed in the end at the resurrection and the newness of creation. God will be all in all and we'll see without any veil. For the time being, we still struggle with this stuff, <laughs> right? Um, but I do want to say that we do live by faith. This is by grace through faith. And I want to read Martin Luther's definition of faith. Uh, this is comes from an introduction to St. Paul's letter to the Romans. So I think it's fitting for this episode. Um, let me bring it up here. And yeah, so this is Martin Luther. Uh, faith is not what some people think it is. Their human dream is a delusion. Because they observe that faith is not followed by good works or a better life. They fall into error. Because... Though they speak and hear much about faith, faith is not enough. So here's the thing. When you hear that, you think he's going to go attacking people who uh, continue in sin and like they have a license to sin and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but in here, he's not. They say faith is not enough. They say you must do good works. You must be pious to be saved. So he's coming after people who are like, no, 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 it's not, not just faith. You can't just believe it, you know. You gotta, you gotta go 
You got to do the thing. You got to do the stuff, man. They think that when you hear the gospel, you start working, creating by your own strength, a thankful heart, which says, I believe. That is what they tr- they think true faith is. But because it this is a human idea, a dream, the heart never learns anything from it. So it does nothing and reform doesn't come from this faith in quotation either okay instead faith is god's work in us that changes us and gives us new birth from god reference to john 1 13 it kills the old adam and makes us completely different people it changes our hearts our spirits our thoughts and all our powers It brings the Holy Spirit with it. Yes, it is a living, creative, active, and powerful thing, this faith. Faith cannot help but doing good works constantly. It doesn't stop to ask if good works ought to be done, but before anyone asks, it already has done them and continues to do them without ceasing. Anyone who does not do good works in this manager, uh, sorry, in this manner is is an unbeliever. He stumbles around and looks for faith and good works, even though he does not know what faith or good works are. Yet he gossips and chatters about faith and good works with many words. Faith is a living, bold trust in God's grace. That is key here. That is key here, guys. Let me read that again. Faith is a living, bold trust in God's grace. So certain of God's favor that it would risk death a thousand times trusting in it. Such confidence and knowledge of God's grace makes you happy, joyful, and bold in your relationship to God and all creatures. The Holy Spirit makes this happen through faith. Because of it, you freely, willingly, and joyfully do good to everyone. Serve everyone suffer all kinds of things, love and praise the God who has shown you such grace. Thus, it is just as impossible to separate faith and works as it is so uh, to separate heat and light from fire. Therefore, watch out for your own false ideas and guard against good-for-nothing gossips who think they're smart enough to define faith and works, but really are the greatest of fools. Ask God to work faith in you, or you will remain forever without faith, no matter what you wish, say, or can do. All right, guys. I'm going to end it there. Uh, This has been fun. New episodes, hopefully, to come uh, down the line. Subscribe, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find this podcast. Look for it. Um, If it's YouTube, you know, leave your comments. I'll provide an email there for people to to write in and, and, you know, comment. Vehemently disagree, whatever. Um whatever you want to do 
uh, I'll take on, you know, we're talking like scripture here, bring up scripture and be like, Hey, this says this. I don't think you're off here. Um, I'm open to all that stuff. And then, uh, we'll, we'll discuss it further. I'll be happy to, to get on this train. All right, guys. Peace.